welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast. I hope this finds you well. Today I'm going to be speaking with Matt Oron, and Matt is the co-founder of Evolution, a coaching and consulting firm that does a lot of coaching work with Silicon Valley startups and high-growth companies such as Slack and Dropbox and others. And so we're going to talk today about the work that Evolution and Matt does in those companies. What kinds of approaches are they finding most effective in helping people in those companies to grow and develop and thrive in their work? What are the influences in their coaching approach? And I think interestingly, we'll talk about what are some of the kind of more, maybe say, fringe modalities of transformation that Evolution are now bringing into their work in order to create potent transformational experiences. So you'll really feel Matt's sincerity and dedication to the art of of evolution. All right, that all being said, let's dive into this podcast with Matt Oran. All right, Matt, well, I'm really excited to be with you today. Uh, How are you doing, first of all? I'm doing great. I'm excited. I'm a big fan of y'all and, you know, honored to be here. So thank you. Yeah, nice. Well, just you know, checking in with you before we kind of hit the record button, I, I got really excited about what we're going to talk about today. Maybe you could just start by telling us a bit about who you are and, and evolution. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my uh, I'm originally from the center of the United States, Minneapolis, and um, my journey really started around 18 when I read The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, that book. It's like a perfect book for a teen, right? If you know it, it's like fiction and it's a primer to personal growth. And I just like it, I literally remember thinking in my head, like this book is changing my life as I read it. And I just became kind of transfixed by spirituality, transformational technology. And I just started rapidly digesting it and met with a, um, there's a really cool counselor, Native American dude named Ted Harrison, and he basically just fed me different stuff, including, uh, you know, the Silva method and shamanism and Gestalt work. And and the big one that really hit me was the Mankind Project's New Warrior Training Adventure that I did when I was 20, which is an initiation for men. Um, are we and and so that like absolutely changed my life, and I really un- understood at that point how I was like my own internal operating systems, my own emotionality, my lineage. And also I was like, I got to do this for the rest of my life in some capacity. Right. I just saw the intensity of, of, of emotionality and literally crumbling and coming back together of these men. And I was, you know, I was like, I have to be a part of that. And so that kind of launched me into my, my career, so to speak. And, um, Uh, I was in politics. I was a lobbyist. I was a grassroots organizer. I've always been kind of interested in the human change process, both the micro and the macro and kind of got burnt out. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to maybe be a therapist. And I really branched at that point. I got accepted into Naropa to do their counseling program in Boulder. And then also one of my therapists at the time was like, you should really check out organizational development. And I did. And I instantly fell in love with it primarily because it was so interdisciplinary, right? It's like everything from micro to the macro. And just at that time, I was really getting into integral theory and moved from Minneapolis to LA and then, you know, 
kind of my career took off and including the founding of evolution, which is now a big coaching firm based in Silicon Valley. So, and I'm happy to talk about that as well, but that's kind of like my personal intro. Yeah. Mm, yeah beautiful. Maybe you could just talk about evolution a little bit. I know yep. we're going to go deeper into some of the, the work you're doing with the clients mm. and how that's been evolving recently. I think that's super interesting. And we can also just talk about, yeah, maybe your own kind of coaching methodology and, and the coaching, coaching approach of evolution. Perhaps there isn't like a homogenous approach for evolution, but yeah. Um, but maybe like we could just say a bit more about evolution as well. Sure. So evolution is a, a, a real live coaching firm. Uh, we have 35 full-time partners, uh, 10 core staff or so, and we work with high growth primarily high growth venture backed uh, companies in technology and healthcare, primarily uh, on the West coast of the United States, but now also internationally uh, we specialize in kind of when companies raise their B round or later uh, BC uh, round. And it, it grew really uh, with Slack. They're still our largest client. We were there when there were about a hundred people. We are effectively, as we joke, the house that Slack built and it started when I moved to LA, I was going to Pepperdine for a master's in OD and was in a men's group with my now co-founder, Jeff, who was a, a GM at Yahoo in the mid-aughts. And Yahoo in the mid-aughts was there was a diaspora that that really seeded a lot of talent in Silicon Valley. Jeff Wiener, uh, you know, and Toth, who then went to Slack, who brought us in there, Jen Dulski, all these folks, Ali Diab. And Jeff at the time was kind of done with the whole raise money, be a CEO thing. He's like, I think... I want to be a coach and Axiolent, and he had gotten a coach uh, with Axiolent in the mid uh, aughts and uh, working with Fred Kaufman. And I would sit in men's group and listen to talk about these amazing experiences they had where they would have these samurai weeks and do David data work. And, you know, I think Ram Das was at one and, and it just kind of blew my mind. I was like, I, ha I have to be a part of that. And I interviewed and Excellent had a big, they kind of blew up around 2008 because they took on this huge client and then the financial uh, crisis that happened and they, they changed a lot. And thankfully I, I, I didn't because I went and worked at a company called DaVita where I, I, you know, DaVita is a big public healthcare company. Really, I, I was leading meditation retreats. I was, you know, they had like Tony Robbins style, large group awareness trainings. I mean, I still haven't seen anything that intense. And it really showed me like how deep you could go in a big Fortune 500 public company. It really blew my mind. And it, it put kind of like the bones of practice to the academics because the Pepperdine OD program is a hardcore academic OD program. And I kind of put the two together. And but, you know, like all Fortune 500 companies, like I, I burn out. I had this global team. I was flying to Bangalore and Singapore and Jeff, he tried one more company. He tried to build a coaching platform that he sold to coach source, which was a, how to manage coaches, how to trigger three sixties, coaching notes, all that kind of stuff. And he, you know, he's like, okay, I'm done. I truly just want to be a coach this time. And prophetically the first company in the door, which then seeded evolution story was the world's fastest growing company. They were like a billion in revenue, 400 people, no HR. I don't even think they had meetings because when we suggested that, they literally said to us like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. We should have meetings. <laughs> Just a, Which so, company was that? They were called Quest Corps and they were sold to Malincrot about a year and a half later. But the beauty of that was he's like, hey man, you got to jump because they need everything. And we built our platform 
with QuestCore and we had the luxury of one client and we did coaching 360s, team development, culture work, helping them build out their inner core strategy and manager training. And that platform still to this day is more or less what Evolution did because when they got sold, we started doing business development in earnest. Nobody would really kind of answer our call. And then the first couple of clients in 2015 in the door were Snap, Slack, and Radiology Partners, who's a massive NEA-backed healthcare company uh, based out of LA, and we just blew up. And so we forced to scale. And at that point, it was like, okay, um, how, how are we going to do this? And maybe we should actually bring other people on. And if we're going to do that, let's really maybe build a community of practice and a firm. And so our coaching model is really based in integral theory. And a lot of it comes from what there's a bunch of partners that worked at Axilon, uh, you know, learned in the sense that there's a, re- uh, a reduction in the quadrants. We say I, we, it, and it's our logo. We collapse I and it's, and then kind of the X axis and then be, do, have, right. As the Y axis, who you are drives what you do, which drives your results. And so we, we, we attracted, we started attracting the, the, the very senior coaches because our model is very transparent and allows people to get remunerated for everything they do. And, but what we would do is one, look for people that had real depth, that have done real deep transformational work to understand the startup context. And then three, love connecting all the dots at the systems level. Again, that kind of X axis. And because there's a lot of coaches, as you know, that do either a lot of depth work or they're very just coactive and, and they work at the individual level. And similarly, there's some coaches that just work, you know, are culture people or management consultants. And we are all, I mean, m- most people here had their minds blown by Integral in the, in the mid 2000s and really believe in that sense of holism. And that's how we, you know, ideally kind of support our clients. Um, The last thing that I'll say, though, with that and then kind of pause is we in the early days really didn't um, advertise our philosophy because we were going in and being hired because our clients loved that we were matching their DNA. We designed management training at at Slack that was fundamentally different than Snapchat because they have a different essence and organizational soul that really matters culturally. And so we were fairly agnostic about tools and what we did, in fact, we would design in their language, in their uh, brand. So you, you, we were like a hidden layer. Um, and then kind of eight years later, seven years later, what we've done is we've kind of proved and established credibility. And what's coming out now is our deep core of beliefs around spirituality, uh, around uh, I, we, it, we do have, around spiral dynamics and human development, um, forms of of uh, transformation, including somatics and embodiment, uh, using the hero's journey as a superstructure for transformation. We're now doing kind of events and bringing to our clients and, and establishing a community of people that really believe what we believe, that business is the place that people do most of their personal growth. And Silicon Valley and venture capital, the beauty of that ecosystem is People are down to experiment. They're not really worried about their balance sheet because they've got venture funding and they're like, let's go. And 
they're also kind of living on the edge of the culture like California does. They're going to Burning Man. They're going to Spirit Rock and meditating. So they're like, cool, what do you got, right? So we can really push the edge now. We are building this community of people that believe what we believe. Um, and because, you know, business is just another human context to experiment and, and develop and evolve the flourishing of the human system. And evolution as a, as a title is deep in our hearts because uh, we all believe in it. And it is the transcendent include model that we believe the layering of development that occurs in people and systems. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a Pierre Tillard de Chardin fan. I'm a Sri Aurobindo fan. I was a subscriber to what is enlightenment. And I remember reading that magazine in the mid aughts talking about evolutionary consciousness. It was the first time I had access to that term. And I was like, Holy cow, big bang, the impulse of every cell to evolve. I'm like that, that is, that is the meta framework. Right. And so, um, and so that applies not only to the human heart, but it also applies to business itself. It applies to organization design, right? We're, the, we're supporting the evolutionary impulse at every single moment from the micro to the macro. And we're beginning to really come out with that. Great story. Um, there's so much in that. Maybe before zooming in a bit more, it's like my question's still forming, but it's like I'd love to kind of get your sense on like the bigger picture of, of like evolution in business and, and mm. um, like, you know, the crazy times we live in, in a sense, you know, like where it felt like five, 10 years ago. I remember, I mean, I got into integral theory too in my twenties and it always felt like the future's coming, you know, wow, like this mm -hmm. integral age. And, mm -hmm. you know, at, at some point, I don't know, about two, three years ago, it felt like, wow, it's really here now, you know, and I don't ever like it all either because mm -hmm. it's just like climate change and, you know, uh, social and economic uncertainty and all these things. I'm just curious, you know, like um, in Silicon Valley, do you see a kind of um, co-merging co of like um, spirituality and growth and business? You know, um, is it is it purely about like um, return on investment, like scale, scale so we can sell? Are, are people inside of those companies motivated to? you know, to evolve themselves and kind of have a, an impact and serve the world, you know, I guess I'm pointing at like, do you think there's something evolving in the culture, like globally, but also there that, that might be a response to these times we find ourselves in? Yeah. I mean, as you know, essentially the same humans that were 100,000 years ago, clearly were not meant for the rate of change and the number of inputs that we have, right? I mean, our systems are being flooded and it feels incredibly chaotic and dysregulating. I think what you said is really apt, right? It was like, it did feel like that with Integral, right? It was like, oh, you know, and, and even their like brand and design, like we were going to get into the singularity thing and this like cool neo-conscious matrix-like world that we were going to live into and everything was going to be holistic and balanced. And it just feels like a mess. And where I take comfort, right, is that, you, you know, if I kind of am, like come into my center and realize that we're in the middle of a chaotic time and that, you know, I love Yuval Harari and one of his theses, right, is that finding your quiet core is the way through and understanding the times that we live in. And, 
you know, the, what we see happening right now is a broad realignment in the world, and it may result, I think, in the elimination of the species. I'm an optimist. I think that it will shoot us out at some point in that kind of evolved technologically, spiritually, more uh, all the levels we're gonna we're gonna shoot out and we're we're gonna get there. Um, but I also don't. I also think we're gonna have to continually recalibrate our nervous systems to 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 the world that we're living in, and eventually adapt to technology and inputs in a way um, that will make it you know a lot more peaceful and. So I, I'm, I tend to be an optimist. I think Harari is one of the best in terms of nailing the age that we're in and how to move through it. And yeah, I think Silicon Valley as a place is uh, one of the reasons we love it is because it is the experimentation. It's people are really wanting to experiment and people start companies and then work at these companies because they want to change the world, right? They truly do. I mean, I think you could go back in the... I was always like that, but more so in the, you know, nineties and two thousands, you know, it was like, let me build a company and sell it to get rich. Like there is, and there's still people like that, but most founders start companies because they want to disrupt something. And you can see in, as the government becomes less trusted than business leaders, right. And you can kind of see that in some survey work and you can see how our lives are governed by Amazon Google, or they're basically public utilities at this point, right? And it's no different from a human system standpoint than a government, right? It's a bunch of people in coordination trying to do something, but how it's regulated and managed, the governance, all of that is still built in essentially the form of capitalism from the first Dutch company in the whatever 1600s, right? It's like, there's no accountability. There's no, the transparency doesn't exist. That's the benefit of the government, at least, you know, to a degree, there is more transparency and accountability people can do with the elections, all that. So you see things in Silicon Valley, like little nodes popping up that I think are very positive, right? If you think of search inside of yourself, spinning off of Google, people meditating, everybody meditates now in Silicon Valley. Holy shit. Like that didn't happen 15 years ago, right? That's an incredibly positive thing. The long-term stock exchange guys, they're designing a stock exchange that says like, no, Quarterly returns are not the purpose, right? Let's have a long term and 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 then B corps and impact investing and all of that. I think all of that is coming from the startup community, right? And then the whole crypto thing too, right? And so um, it's not perfect, but it is the bleeding edge, and it is everything from people doing the, you know, if you think of like how embedded CLG is in certain companies and how many founders are What's doing CLG, sorry, conscious leadership group, right? You, you talk, I think. Oh, they're yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, no, I should, <laughs> should right. know who they are. But yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It, it's like yeah. There, there's, there's, you know, that form of personal development. I mean, like it's happening and it's really, it's a really cool place. It's also imperfect, right? Because if you take on venture funding, the first five to seven years, it's like you can have a burn rate. They're not really harassing you too much around making money, right? They just want you to build a product and build an org. But eventually, they're going to be on your board and they're going to say, hey, you know, we, we need some return on our investment, which is a problem, right? Well, let me walk that back. It's not a problem. They deserve that, right? If you invest in a company, you deserve a return. But the pressure uh, creates 
you know, at certain points, a real artificial compression that doesn't serve the uh, sustainable wholeness of the company. Right. And, um, you know, but, but, you know, we work with some founders that are, are like incredible humans. Right. I, I don't know if you use notion, but Ivan at notion, that's mm. one of our, you know, Stuart at Slack. I mean, they are, if you sit down with them and listen to them talk, they are not capitalists in the sense that like, let's just make money and build a company. They're design. They want to design beautiful products to add value to people's lives and care about creating a human system around that, that is conscious and does good in the world. And like, I'm like, that's awesome. And I, and being a former political guy um, and, 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 and even thinking about being a therapist, I'm like, where do I want to, where's my leverage point? Right. And to me, it's, that's where it is. And, and everybody at evolution primarily believes that. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and so do you, that maybe we could talk about then the work you do with people and, you know, you mentioned be, do have, I, we, it's, and mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, you know, before we maybe define what they might be, you know, what, what is the, is there a, like you said, like we might use the hero's journey as an overarching kind of yeah. model for like the journeys we take on people on. I'm just curious if, if you do see a common, a common overarching journey that people go through in the, the organizations you coach in, you know, like, I mean, people are starting at all different points developmentally perhaps, but you mm-hmm. know, do you, do you find like, oh yeah, we, we commonly are really needing to support people you know, on this type of journey in these times, and this is what helps them. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's go into, let's geek out about coaching and the model and tactical and like, let's go there. Everybody, the listeners are like, man, you have all Harari and systemic and evolutionary <laughs> consciousness. Well, no, I want to say, cause to me, that is essential to include right. all of that. I want right. to make sure we include context, global. global perspective setting. So yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, and again, to prove that I can be very tactical, we work primarily with people in, uh, it used to be six month arcs. I think it's, my belief is more like a year. Um, my, our, our coaching model, this is where we radically, dif- you know, differentiate from the ICF is more like Bill Campbell of old, where uh, do I, do you, does it ever end? Right. I don't think so. Like I like to embed myself in an organization and coach the whole team and be the coach in residence. That's my favorite because I can really get my fingers in a lot of different places. But our classic model, if a founder calls us up, you know, six months is really the minimum for behavioral change. And, uh, you know, we always do a 360. We do do interview based 360s. Our favorite tool, although we're tool agnostic and we have many, is the Enneagram. We'll combine the Enneagram with our own super intense personal assessment um, with their 360. We'll funnel it into a half day deep dive where they'll, we'll help them unpack their operating system. We talk about family of origin and psychodynamics. Um, we talk about aspirations and vision cast and do all that work and fluidly combine all of those three inputs, personality, Enneagram, self-assessment, um, and then their goals and, uh, and 360 work into what they're going to work on. And similar to, you know, New Ventures West or Integral Coaching Canada, we always have people think of like what their way of being shift is, right? Like a broad arc. Who are you going to be that is going to be different? 
right? And as a component of that, there's going to be, you know, there's a big arc. There's all sorts of near and medium term arcs. If we're working with people twice a month over the course of a month, one meeting, a couple of months where they're, you know, doing very tactical things. They're learning, they're putting, they're doing practices, they're having difficult conversations. Maybe they're reading an article where they're, they're have accountability stretches. I mean, we're doing all of that work too. And then when we get in with them in coaching, it's very dynamic, phenomenological, unpacking both what is immediate and emergent. And then from time to time, especially if they forget, reconnecting them to their, their um, broad arc, right? And so the higher up you go, especially at the, the kind of the sea level, the structure really starts to fall apart, I think, in a good way, because most senior executives, they just want the space, right? They don't need like a little individual development template and they, you know, little micro goals and all that stuff. They're, they just kind of slide in on fire and they're like, and we just like hold them, hold up the mirror and work with them, put them back together. We're sometimes the only place that they can go to be radically honest and pull apart these existential decisions that they're alone with, right? And so if you think of I, we, it as a model, what that means is we're looking at the individual, the I, we're looking at the relational, me and you in relationship, the team dynamic, even the culture, right? That dynamic, individuals, a web of people, we, and then the technical and the impersonal, the it. That's the system used, the process, the products, all of that. And in any situation, we are threading all three of those together in any coaching session. And we really try to differentiate ourselves that way. And we say, one of the reasons people hire us is because of the it, right? Now, that being said, there's times when we're doing coaching that it is deep, deep, deep in the eye. And it doesn't feel much different from therapy. We have ex-therapists, everybody's done voice dialogue work, and we can hang, right? But we don't just do that. I think Coaches go to I and we because humans avoid that, right? And business people spend all their lives in it. So, of course, but it's like a three-legged stool. All three things are supporting any issue or problem that they're facing. And connecting the dots allows for true holistic problem solving, right? It's like, you know, some internal block that I have that's showing up in a way that prevents me from doing a thing, that's impacting a relationship where there's a dynamic that I need to unpack. The relationship is operating a system that is suboptimal that needs to get fixed. Right. And so where in that chain do you intervene? I don't know, but everywhere. Right. And so that's the point as kind of the X axis and then the Y axis, which occurs, hopefully this doesn't make your mind hurt. I, we, and it all have a vertical dimension. Right. And so like at the I dimension, you can look at a result that you're getting or something you have, right? So unfulfilled, uh, unproductive, I mean, just broad uh, metrics like that, right? You're doing something, you're having an action, a personal process that's driving that result, something that you do drive something you have. And then the thing that you do is driven by who you are, mental models, narratives, mindsets, personality, values, all of those things, those constructs that are in the interior subjective. And once you start to learn about that landscape, you learn about the reality creation that happens and how your inside is driving how you show up, which is driving a result. And you can pull that invisible line back. 
And, you know, you and I know once you get down to that B level, which is very, the big word ontological shows up everywhere in your life. A lot of emotions are trapped in that. Um, a lot of old patterns. Uh, we work a lot with the shadow and do shadow work. That's one of our core principles. Your shadow, parts of yourselves you hide, repress, and deny are there. And what's, what I love about coaching, right? And this is like also thesis-like, and I know you're like this too, is that there's some sessions where I feel like a board member, right? And, and I feel proud of that. Like I have these like really deliberate views on product and how to construct a team. And then there's some sessions that I'm doing the deepest work of this person's life. And we're talking about their dad. And I'm, it feels like such a privilege to work at that interdisciplinary level. Again, all conspiring and helping them spiral into this human arc that they're on. And so all of our coaches use I, we, it and be, do, have. It's very fluid and dynamic, but it is the superstructure of what we do. So. I, what I appreciate about what you're saying is that, you know, I've heard other people running coaching firms, successful coaching firms saying something kind of similar to you, which is like, yeah, we've got some, they're like, I, I've got enough coaches who are masters in the kind of almost like therapeutical domain or like, you know, um, deep ontology. But I, I like, I want to, I want more coaches who can skirt between them all. You know, they can talk about the systemic, they can talk about, the business landscape they can talk they can go into the deep phenomenological experience and they're there and that's what clients want you know if you're just staying in one um you know there, there can be some use to that but that but their clients need all of those domains to be for it to be truly relevant work and i'm just wondering then what the you know how you see that transformational journey occurring is it like you know through this I, we, it, be, do, have, you're able, and, and the, the, the assessments you mentioned, like the 360 and the Enneagram, you know, somebody's starting to get a sense of like the, the, the deep ontological self they have that they don't know they have, you know, that, it, that it's subject to them. And then through the conversations, they're starting to begin to see that self and how it is kind of bound together through a kind of social, emotional conditioning which they have to come into reckoning with and, you know, yeah. um, to accept in some way. And that liberates that, this kind of evolutionary energy that you, or evolutionary impulse that we kind of alluded to at the beginning of the call. And, you know, a new way of being can start to come online, which is, you know, help them thrive in their leadership role. Yeah. Something that you said before too, I think threads into that. So I'll kind of address that too. Um, I think it's, it's, I, I should track this, but everyone that comes to me for coaching, there is always this analogous process that's happening in their life. It's fascinating, right? They're like, I think I need a coach. You know, I'm a, I'm a new head of product and if they're going through this midlife transition. It just, the subconscious is so funny in that it puts people into these, they, they, what they think they're doing is just like optimizing the role and the first 90 day plan and building a team. But there's always this other part of them that's unlocking. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a literal example, like a, a head of engineering that like has, is just exploring his inner landscape and learning how to feel and be real and vulnerable. And that 
like weaves its way in and out. This huge life transition is weaving its way in and out of the coaching. And sometimes it's like, they don't even realize it. And so we have to kind of remind them. And I'm like, Hey, do you realize what's happening to you? And hold up the mirror and they're like, Oh yeah. And they can't really stay there. And then they're back in their context again, but it's like every single person that comes to coaching. And that's why I I've learned to kind of like trust the people that walk in the door, so to speak, that there is something there that is happening for them in their life developmentally and spiritually that is kind of weaving its way in and out of the coaching. And, you know, the other thing about venture backed companies that we work with are the gauntlets come fast, right? A big company that's really stable, tens of thousands of people. If you think of the rapid scale, there are these levels that happen from, I use venture rounds are labeled by letter, right? Seed is like, you know, the little one and then A, B, C. And each one of those has a distinct skill set. And, you know, you have to learn things, especially when you're managing people for the first time and then managing managers. There's a whole new set of competencies. And it's not just like a swap out. Like you go through like what Warren Bennis would talk about, a crucible, right? And we all know adversity and the fire uh, of initiation is what create it's painful is what creates transformation and you know all of a sudden it's like oh my we're, we're exploding and what it does is as the context is changing and they're going from random example but right engineer to manager or manager to director of engineers like they're having to do a bunch of stuff and then it confronts things inside of them that they then have to level up and there are these organizational levels you think of like uh Center for Creative Leadership, right, has competencies by like leading yourself, leading a team, leading a department, leading an organization, right? And each one has these different competencies, but it's not that linear behavioral because what happens is people, as they do that, they become different people, right? It's, you know, leading an organization is archetypally, if you think of the archetypes and of course, you know, being an MKP guy and a shadow work guy, love the king, warrior, lover, magician, Right. Sovereign energy, that archetype is at the, you know, at the top of the organization, that's very sovereign. And to do that, there's like massive ego death repeatedly and very similar to becoming a father, by the way, I have two young kids. And what, what emerges is vision, wisdom, discretion, you know, the, 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 no, the noble stately embodiment of the sovereign but that doesn't come like with a joyride, right? You get knocked around and your ego gets destroyed like through these gauntlets of growth. And so, you know, sometimes our clients back to what I said, they don't realize that they just kind of end up and they're like, Oh, I'm leading an organization now. And I feel more peaceful and I'm able to think long-term and like, and you know, we're kind of chuckling because we're like, man, your whole operating system has changed, dude. And you know what? The irony is it doesn't matter if they realize it because it is, it did change. So you know, we can have a beer as coaches and be like, man, that was amazing. That person's life changed. And a lot of times they realize it too. And they're very grateful and, and they're better dads and everything. But, you know, uh, so, so I think, uh, hopefully that answered uh, your question. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, th I think that sometimes, well, let me speak for myself, having been through one of those transitions recently, you know, both mm -hmm. through becoming a father and, uh, being elevated in my own company, you know, I mean that, that sounds a bit strange because I was the founder of it, but things changed and the landscape required more of me. And 
then contextualize that with the, the the pandemic and so on. And I think you know I, I I like got knocked for six, and I underestimated the transformational journey and the the ego death, the the desol the, the dissolution that can occur, and how how you know confronting and disturbing that can be at, at times. And yes, on the other side, when it starts to all land again and come together, it's it's a it's a beautiful feeling because it's a bit like a new world, but. Yeah, I think, you know, that we have to kind of hold that that journey as, as like for what it is and the sacredness of it. And I guess it, it brings up a question. I'm super fascinated to hear what you'd say about this around. There's this something I've been I've noticed a shift in my work, which is like it used to be kind of more structural, you know, like what's my current way of being and a new way of being and I'm kind of going to like, um, you know, Chris, uncover this new way of being and, and, and then create some practices that will take me in that direction. And what I started to find in my own life was like, oh, it's like that doesn't feel right anymore in the sense of it's more like it's unfolding, you know? So the more I'm able to, because you mentioned about doing, you know, working in immediacy and in in this emergent way and maybe some of the senior people you work with, that's what they want more. Or or at least you said like they, they care less about the structure and I guess that's my point I'm getting at is like my relationship to that structural type of coaching change where it felt more like the transformation is actually emerging out of the unfolding, the phenomenological unfolding of being in connection with a coach. And then that's crystallizing into the structure. It's not as if I'm like developing into some imagined future place. I don't know if I'm making this clear and if it... Oh yeah. 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 My co my co-founder who's more deductive, right. Which is what you're talking about. It's like, see the future and work towards it. And I'm more inductive used to joke that especially me, I'm like, I just start painting and the picture emerges. Right. And we used to have a lot of rub at the beginning because, and that's also why we're successful. Cause he's the opposite. He's a seven in the Enneagram and yeah, I'm probably a three or the four wing. And, um, you know, I think one one thing with that, though, is mastery as it's developed, you have to start with the basics, right, where you're like consciously implementing these structures. And once you learn enough, it's like machine learning, like your system starts to aggregate all of that. And then the structure falls away and it's just in you and you're able to like I mean, there's times where I'm just like hearing things and realizing and doing things. And I'm like, I have no idea where that's coming from. Now I can say that's transpersonal, or I could just say like, I done done it for 20 years and I've got a lot in me. And um, there's a lot of, there's a whole body of work now that I think will um, emerge over the next 20 years, which is like anti-OKR and goal, right? And it's like, um, you know, it's hard in a big company. Like, how do you get 50,000 people aligned, right? I get it. You need some kind of framework at that stage, right? Because otherwise it's like 50,000 people, like what are we all doing? But at 200, do you need to spend a bunch of time with these people? Like they write the language is perfect. They spend months with this spreadsheet and then they like spend all their time like managing the spreadsheet and filling it in. Not understanding strategy is just an evolving conversation. You have a kind of scenarios and some fuzzy, you know, future that you're kind of building towards. 
And if you don't, if you can let go of the structure, it allows for a lot more agility and adaptability. You still need to think about the future, right? But if you think about nature evolves, nature doesn't have OKRs, right? It's like, that's not a natural thing. And I think the, the emergence, as you said, the phenomenology of like, whoa, I just had an awareness. That's where we're going. Like if you, if you overstructure, you kill the dynamism, right? You have to let it emerge and come out and you follow it. And so that's where like, I think um, that really is mastery. It's, it's tough to do. And I think as coaches are trained, it's tough to get trained in that first. Um, but I think my bias sounds like yours is eventually that's where you have to get. And it's one of the reasons why we get hired uh, versus um, some firms, I don't want to kind of name names or even some of the big venture backed coaching tech companies. It's so formulaic. People that have those coaches are like, it's too reductive, man. I don't need a five-step process and a little thing that I fill in and your robotic questions that you ask me and check off my goals. Like that's cool for some people. And I think developmentally, really early stage managers probably do need that. But eventually it's like, you're a human being and human beings are very dynamic. And so again, my bias about coaching, maybe yours too, but it's the acquisition of mastery, I think. Because I, I think we can, you know, I've, I'm, in, I'm very interested in Dave Snowden's work around complexity. And, uh, you know, I think I, I have held in the past, like my clients as almost being complicated mm-hmm. rather than complex. And that, you know, if I just like learn enough, if I like read another book and absorb mm-hmm. something else that I'll finally like get it, you know, like uh, there's nothing that will show up that I won't understand and be able to kind of place into you know, this, this model of, of like total reality, you know, and I'm not saying it like, of course, it's actually, a, it's been essential in my own growth to like learn. And I love, I think the place for like interdisciplinary or multidisciplinary learning and synergy is like cutting edge. Like that's where coaches need to be now. It's like, you can't, at least you can't be in one domain. It's like, I, I want to be inspired by anthropology and mm-hmm. um, you know what's happening in AI and, and complexity theory and how that applies in the moment to being with somebody. But um, my point going back is like, I think people are more complex, you know, like they're complex biological systems, which means they're emergent, you know, they're actually emergent. And as people get more and more senior, it's like we, we become more and more psychologically spacious and, and it's like reality. We start to tune into that element of, ourselves and reality like that it's that it's actually emergent and there's an aliveness inside of it like you were saying before it's like evolutionary philosophy it's like it's to me it's often it's pointing to this kind of like eros this feeling of aliveness which is not just um hedonistic or pleasurable but it's it's got like a kind of deep meaning to it too it's like you can feel that impulse well yeah i mean i when I read Leadership in the New Science by Meg Wheatley, it blew my mind, right? And it's like, all there is in reality at a quantum level is these core principles, and there's only a few, and then everything else is dynamic and rotating around it. And that is how the universe is governed. And it's not a bunch of things, it's these few things, and then it's all chaos. And going back to the beginning of our conversation, right? If you can hold on to that, that's another key to how get how to get through these adverse times, right? And is is understanding that. And you know, a real vignette, maybe somewhat illustrative, is like I was doing an intake with somebody 
And I, I, I sometimes do this. I sometimes don't, but I was working with her and I'm like, let's do just a, do a little demo, present an issue. And she, you know, presented this issue and it was like, she's quite senior. Uh, she was like in what you described all the points, right. And like this vast complexity and not understanding it. And I'm sitting there in a sense of spaciousness and detachment. And I just saw the simplicity in the middle of it, of the issue. And it, and it was something like the order of conversations that needed to happen, or you probably don't need to have that meeting first because that's just going to disrupt things. Right. And I'm holding that, you know, they don't train you this right in, in coach school, but we always hold a mental model of what's happening. It's very useful. I, you know, so through inquiry, she, it was like the heavens opened up and it was just this simple thing. And so I think with our clients too, we really need to help them see, help them knife through the, the fog that there is usually a simple principle at the heart of their problem. And similarly, not to contradict myself, like the relationship, the credibility and connection that I built from helping them solve an immediate simple problem is the bed that deep work rests on, right? And so sometimes I think, you know, you might be hearing me and be like, man, this guy's abstract and philosophy and deep work and all that. But I'm like, a lot of times I just, I show up and I just try to be helpful. And then every four sessions, the bottom drops out or whatever. And we have a hugely deep transformational thing, but I always orient to what are some, what's the simple principle that they are lost in that they need containment and mirroring to, to find they're so grateful and that is what evolves them. And then you do get access to a bunch of more esoteric work. Um, and it's harder that it's harder than it sounds, right? Cause it's like, well, yeah, that's what coaches do. We knife through, we find simplicity in the complexity, but simplicity and essentialism is a much harder thing to do. And you have to go in the journey of complexity first to find your way back. So that, that's busy. the key, I think, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So, so like, that's why I appreciate what you're saying is like, um, it's not like we're looking for a simple answer, but it's like, a, it's like a synthesis or, 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 a, you know, like being able to hold that space you talked about, you know, you, there was a sense of detachment, you were present and that allowed you to kind of see in a different way. And I think that's the key is like, you know, you, you were perhaps like sensing in a different mode in that moment that wasn't just purely rational right. that, that maybe, you know, we know, we all know when we get a little bit agitated and we're like trying to solve a problem and it's like, uh, and then you get caught in the weeds, you know? Mm -hmm. So in that moment you were able to like sense the organizing principle that was that simple kind of solution on the other side. And that's, I think a really powerful distinction I'm getting yeah. from what you're sharing. Well, and that's why I think as coaches develop, right? One, every coach, I think, needs to ha do contemplative practices because, you know, we now know the neuroscience when we're hijacked, when our sympathetic is activated, we're disconnected from our prefrontal cortex at the least, let alone any spiritual or transpersonal principles, but being fully embodied, detached in a healthy way, heart open spacious, right, is the way to kind of see through. And I sometimes I almost like don't look directly at the client, so to speak. I'm like looking to the side a little bit. And it's like, I can just kind of see the pattern emerge. But then the irony with that is, and I this is where I like need to be honest, like I also have 20 years of hardcore study. So that's in there too, right? But it's both. It's like the study and then like clean space. And it just like, 
you know, it's what you're saying. It just, these insights just occur and you're able to like pull them out and it feels like magic. And I think that is one of the most um, pleasurable, fun, compelling parts of being a coach because it is like, it's like Buddhist state, right? It's like when we can get ourselves in there and it's like, we're seeing the matrix, we're seeing I, we it, we're seeing all the dots. And then we're seeing again, the universal principle of simplicity in the middle. And in this conversation, right, we may even see a few conversations down the line, but we see this conversation, this gestalt is about this piece and we're able to support them in that. And it's like, it's hard and, you know, I screw it up, but that's why coaching is so compelling, right? Our next humbling experience is only around the corner. None of us ever achieve that level of math free, you know, so, you know, so anyway, yeah. I'm glad you say that because I, I know I think everybody listening gets that where you have like you know you know two three brilliant sessions where you're like wow I'm so grateful for this that was just so moving to be in that kind of connection with someone the insight and then you know you go into the next session and it's like it's just <laughs> like hard work or you know yeah. it feels very flat you know you know there's no nothing really happening and um you know, you know I, I, like one thing I did want to ask you about, and we won't have long to talk about it, but and, and may, so maybe like we have to like book a part two. And I'd love to do that. But uh, you said like you're getting a bit weirder with the things you do mm. these days. And yep. I just wondered if, you know, the, I guess with the kind of um, the, the kind of transformational technologies or arenas you take people into, I'm guessing that's what you mean. Could you say a little bit more about what, yeah. what that is? Um, we're doing right now a free eight-part series called Evolution Leadership Foundations, where we're going into spiral dynamics, which is a human development model. We're talking about the shadow work, right? And unpacking that Jungian frame. We're talking about spirituality uh, and uh, soul. We're talking about integral theory. We're kind of coming out with all that stuff. Um from a, an offering standpoint, uh, we're, our writing and our, our list, our kind of conversation we're having with our community is engaging in those topics as well as, you know, uh, evolutionary business, new forms of capitalism. Um, we're doing a retreat in Maui in September called Deep. It's based on the hero's journey. You arrive at a beach and you don't know where you go after that. And it's a emotional transformation deep purpose experience that's highly experiential. Uh, it has forms of gestalt and voice dialogue and shadow work and archetypes and all that. Um, we're doing a meditation retreat that is essentially going to be a blend of Zazen and other contemplative practices called Restore. Um, we're likely going to do a conference next year on evolutionary business that includes elements of I, we, it, including transforming capitalism itself. Um, and it's cool because, you know, we don't need to kind of hide from that stuff anymore. It's like, if you, you know, deep, our, our retreat is, a, is, is about as deep as you can go. Right. And the first time we did it, we did it a few years before the pandemic is the first one um, venture capitalists, founders types. And I was like terrified that we were going to like lose our business because, you know, our biggest clients are Twitter and Glassdoor and Slack and all, all these clients. And they walked in the door and they left and I really got the sense that there's a real hunger for that level of transformation. Um, I think eventually we'll, we'll get into um, psychedelics, right. As that becomes something there's, 
you know, we can't be official with that because it's illegal, but, you know, there's all sorts of movement in legislation to legalize psilocybin and, you know, and, and cultivating altered states. And in the Valley, right, stealing fire, a lot of people are experimenting with that. Um, so I think that that'll be kind of a thread that we'll pull on as it becomes legal, um, you know, but every other engineer in Silicon Valley is microdosing, right? I mean, so like, <laughs> so it's, it, it's kind of there. Um, and I just think like a lot of it is just the linguistics of like, we're now just talking about spirituality and Buddhism. And we're starting to do that in our coaching sessions, or we're talking about spiral dynamics and we're not as afraid about matching our clients milieu. And over time, they're going to come into ours and that's cool. And we don't want to, we always want to adapt to our clients and be in their DNA. Um, but I think, you know, we have a really distinctive point of view on the role of business in the world as a transformational agent. And so we're like, what's this life about other than the exploration of that? That's awesome. Um, there's so many questions I could ask you about what you just shared, actually. So yeah. I'm going to like bookmark a lot of that. And yeah. um, Matt, I just want to say, like, it's been a real, real pleasure to be speaking with you, you know, like, um, I feel a lot of like uh, talk about the evolutionary and kind of impulse. Like, there's a kind of excitement and passion and eros inside of me as we meet and share in our shared passion and love for this work. And mm-hmm. so, I just want to say, really respect to you and thanks for being willing to come on and share this. Yeah, I really thank you too. A big uh, lover of the podcast and you too. I feel a lot of uh, synergy and transpersonal connection with you and, uh, anything I can do to be supportive. And thanks for, thanks for what you do and putting this out in the world. I think it's an important thing and I'm, I'm happy to be on anytime. So. And, and just, um, yeah, thanks man. Yeah. Actually let me slow down and just receive the, just, um, evolution. Where can we find out more about evolution yeah. as well? Uh, evolution.team. So www.evolution.team is our website. Um, have a look. Our events are on there. Uh, we have a small venture uh, fund as well. We do direct investment. Uh, so you can learn more about that or contribute to it if you'd like. Our events are all on there. Um, and uh, get on our list and have a chat with us. It'd be great. Just a, a heads up again, if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about other things we create, then head to coachesrising.com. Put your name in the sign-up box there. You'll also find some of our other offerings, our online trainings for coaches there. And just want to end by wishing you well, and I'll see you again next time.